Welcome to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. Your host is Andy Ford, one of today's leading innovators. Our show is about how ideas and technology come together to form the most buzzed about products of the 21st century. Specifically, what goes into the thought process of these innovations and the channels they go through to get to the marketplace. Now, here is Andy Ford. Welcome, Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight. I'm your host, Andy Ford. I'm coming to you uh, live today from uh, the headquarters of Brado Creative Insight here in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, today, I've got a, a very special guest. Uh, Ruben Alcarez is my guest, and Ruben's an inside-outside thinker. I mean, he's a strategist and an innovator. Um, he's been categorized as a high-performing leader uh, and really had the credit of balancing innovation with an agile consumer learning methodologies. But he's got to do that with you know, business-heavy and in a highly competitive environment, keeping the consumer uh, in mind. Um, and one colleague said this about him. He's a fearless innovator and a provocative thinker a consummate business pro, and most of all, a fantastic big picture insights leader. Uh, one of my favorite things about Ruben, and one of the things we'll dive into today, uh, is uh, that big picture, uh, the ability to, to look at at an at a, at a entire structure and then imagine what if or what could be different. His passion for storytelling and continual learning has led him from positions with a cutting-edge clothing brand uh, all the way to shopper marketing, insight, innovation, management. Uh, today, uh, he works for a leading pet care brand. His current role in strategic planning, innovation, and insights with Nestle Purina and all of the brands that that represents. His career has taken him around the world, and he currently lives in St. Louis with his wife and two children. You can follow Ruben, uh, as I do, on Twitter at RD Alcarez, uh, and be mindful throughout the show. We are going to be taking uh, emails. You can hit me up at andy.ford at brado.net, uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at A Ford. Uh, all that being said, Ruben, Thank you for joining us on the program. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Um, it, it's you've had a pretty interesting career, uh, Ruben. I, I know that you know you you traveled around the world. You, you've worked in Latin America and countries, you know, here and there. Uh, it, your role. Uh, as an innovator, and specifically now this role within market research, uh, is a it seems to be an ever evolving uh, sort of industry. I mean, how when you think about what you do today and market research and consumer insights, um, what kind of innovation uh, stage gate are, do you consider? How are you thinking about this you know, changing category and what's happening in market research as it relates to you know innovative techniques and practices. Yeah, actually, my my perspective is probably a lot more naive than other people. I don't I don't see it as innovation. I see it as necessity. Um, mm. Nothing is ever standing still. So the idea that um, you're going to be able to do the same thing that you did yesterday, ten years from now, it just to me, I just don't see it as a reality. Um, I, I see constant as a reality. So I, I don't know if it's so much as I have a specific process through which um, I like to um, that I like to apply. It's more like to me that's that's just how how I see the world. 
it's just constant evolving. And then, the, and you said that something that's really interesting to me is its necessity. And I think that's a real interesting sort of perspective as it relates to innovation. And can I interpret that a little bit and say that if you're not changing and growing, you're you're probably not going to be in your role very long. Is that is that true? For the most part, that's just the way I. I see my my role with anyone that I work with. Um, I see as I see this ever changing and evolving and evolving role. Um, you know, when you when I start thinking about how I started my career and how much I thought I knew, it's very different today. Twenty four years later, looking back and how I used to look at categories, how I used to look at brands, and how I used to look at consumer behavior. It's a, it's a world of difference. The amount of data and information that one has to be aware of, the amount of uh, uh, trends that are hitting that are hitting the that are that are hitting society. Um, it's just there's just there's an overload, not just an overload of information. There is an overload of activity that will eventually lead to change at the most granular level, and that includes all of us. That's interesting. Is it when you start thinking about those changes? Uh, I know that you know as a big a big picture guy, and I, I don't I don't say that lightly or, or flippantly. Um, that that is requires you to kind of understand, or it not, maybe not understand is the wrong word. It, it it requires you to investigate and stay curious about some of those. Let's just say their forces that are changing the marketplace. In, in your estimation, what are some of those forces to you, to, to your point earlier, that is affecting us all the way down at that granular level? Well, the way, the way I look at it, it's not just me, right? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in foresight. So there are a couple of models out there. One is called the Pestel model, which is politics, environment, society, technology, economics, and legal. That kind of affect everything that we engage with today. Everything that you see, everything that you touch, everything that you buy is made by someone or something out there that has to buy, but that laws and regulations that are actually, um, uh, that are swayed by all of these aspects, right? And then the consumer, when you bring in the consumer and, the, and, the, and, the, and their behavior, they're all shaped by a lot of these aspects, right? So nothing, I always like to say, nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything is connected. It's interesting, though, is that when you start thinking about, to your point, though that interconnectedness, um, those those forces in the marketplace are bringing us, and that it changes the consumer's behavior. Um, when I start thinking about sort of consumer behavior, and I know that's something that you're um, – a fan of studying and and really watching, but over the course of your 24-year career, have you seen that consumer behavior shift or change in in a noticeable or a, maybe a completely differentiated way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the um, just just to go back, I, just to take a step back, we, we, I mentioned society, right, as one of the key drivers uh, drivers of change. Right. If you start thinking about what's going on right now, we got a huge generational change, right? We've got we've got the boomers that are exiting the, the, the workforce. Then in between you got the Xers and then coming right after them you got the millennials, you know? So me, 
myself and yourself being exers, we're being kind of we're all, we've always been squeezed between the two groups. Um, but interestingly enough, the buying power right now currently is concentrated in Gen X, and Gen X is twenty five percent smaller than than um, than the than the boomers. So mm-hmm. it's. It's just how people look and engage into with with the world. So Gen X, you know, we engage more with the world the way the boomers did. They're really, if, right. if you look at changes in innovation, it would all a lot of changes were happening, but the speed at which these changes were coming at us has been accelerated lately. Now that millennials are coming of age, are, are coming of age. So um, how we how we understand brands, how we understand products, how we shop today is drastically different than when it was when I was a kid. So yeah. um, absolutely, how I drive the car, what I see when I when I put my car in reverse, you know, I hardly ever look back anymore. I look in the front at the, the panel, right? Yeah. I mean, you do have to look <laughs> back, right. but to to a degree, but it's really not. That's not a behavior that's thought that much anymore. So I, I see everything changing. You know, when I want to know, when I want to know the time, I know you got you got the iWatch. I don't, but I look in my I look into my pocket. I look at my phone. I hardly ever wear a watch anymore. So everything is so different nowadays. It's funny you mentioned that you know being a Gen Xer, and and I, uh, you you and I have spent times. I, I agree. I'm a. I agree. It's not like I could disagree. My my age is is yeah, be an interesting something I could change. That's right. That's right. I, I the funny thing about being this generation, and and that you just brought it up from a, and I, I'm going to use the entire marketplace and the multiple things you've kind of you know, touched on, but I think about the boomer and I think about the millennial. And then I think about, um, our kids who are, I think notably called Gen Z, right? And then we've got all of these different generations. And the one thing that's happening to all of us at the same time is speed. And do you think, and this is a question that I always rattle around in my head. Do you think the generations react differently to that speed and does it have an impact on us in a different way? Oh, absolutely. yeah, I, I do. I do for sure. Um, I, it's probably better if we, if we talk specifics, right? So yeah. um, the expectation of how things happen, um, just take any, any, any event at work, right? Any generic event. Um, I think the, our generation, prior generations, obviously our, the, the expectation has changed, but it used to be that it was okay to wait for something. Um, you know, you do a research project, okay, you're going to have everything between, anywhere between two, two to four weeks. Well, you actually know that two to four weeks means at least six to eight. Um, now, that's not the case anymore. Everything has to happen faster and faster and faster and that's when you start integrating technology to capture these new behaviors to add speed to the process that's funny that you mentioned that as I start thinking about those expectations on speed and and, and I do realize that to your point earlier is that you know sort of the Moore's law is that these things are compounding upon themselves right it's not like it's getting slower it's only getting faster through technology but it sounds like that speed has now made our expectations 
shorter for for an output. Now I just don't yeah. expect that it's going to take. You know, I, not only do I think I'm going to look in my pocket and see what time it is. I expect my face to unlock that phone and very quickly get to the application that I want to use. So that speed is impacting us in those generations. Is it fair to say that a younger generation is going to assume that things will only get faster and improve uh, based on the fact that they're growing up in the middle of this technological sort of, I don't know, marvel? Yeah, I think so. But, but, but let, me, let me just say that, that at some point, have you heard of the idea of the singularity? Oh, so, uh, is this a uh, Kurzweil? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he 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 took the idea of Moore's law and said, yeah, everything's growing exponentially, but literally, we don't know where it's taking us because eventually it has to slow down. That's just the way things work. Nothing mm-hmm. can grow and go, can grow and keep going on and on forever. Not even the universe. So um, so understanding understanding that, then you 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 start looking back and saying, well, where are we going with all of this? At some point, things have to be different. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we, 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 we're going to geek out and go on and on on this, but <laughs> you, look, you, you look at education, you know, the education yeah. that we receive is drastically different than the one that our kids are, are receiving today and very different than the ones that they're receiving today. In fact, it's, it's more about today, like MOOCs and online courses and things like that are valued a lot more than, you know, sitting at school for four years and then two to three years after that in grad school. Experience right. is being valued a lot more. And the, these kids are understanding that experience can start at a much younger age than when we did, you know. I mean, I, yeah. I look at my son. My son's got Twitch TV, YouTube. He's got channels. He's got followers all over the place. And it's like, and he's 11. You know, when I was 11, I was like chasing a soccer ball around, hoping my friends would come out earlier from, from a nap or whatever it was so we can play more. Very that different is, perspective how the world works. That's a great example. Absolutely. That's a, it's phenomenal, you know, when you think about it, um, is technology allowing or enabling us to change and see this rapid sort of change uh, occur. But we're watching a generation grow up and this is my opinion, I'm not putting this on you, but we're watching them grow up with uh, a little bit of an expectation that they're going to deliver something different. They're going to do work faster or, or sooner than I think we ever had to consider. I mean, that's a, that could be a lot of pressure for a kid. Yeah, uh, I agree. But, but also at the same time, I think we're giving them the freedom to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Find, find their own way. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, they're not growing up with a template. They're creating their own template, which mm-hmm. I see as, a, at least for me now, looking back, I think is a huge advantage. The idea that they don't have to get a job at a company or a bank or a nine-to-five or whatever it is, right? Now, nowadays, you can make money while you sleep. Yeah. Yeah, this is fascinating. We're talking with my guest, Ruben Alcarez, uh, and really having a fascinating conversation uh, about these forces that are impacting uh, the marketplace and the, the impact they're having, the changes they're having on on the on the generations that are coming up. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this consumer journey, Ruben. Uh, how is it different today than it is than it was yesterday? Uh, you're listening to Innovation Insiders uh, with Andy Ford, and we'll be right back after these messages. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Grotto Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net. B-R-A-D-O dot net. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, uh, Innovation Insiders. My guest today uh, is Ruben Alcarez, and when we went to break, we were talking about speed and the force uh, forces that are impacting the marketplace, and that led us over into a conversation about generations and how those generations are being, not just impacting, but I think reacting uh, to uh, things that are happening. And I know, Ruben, based on some of the work that you know, you've probably been required or asked to do over the course of your career, that you've had to take a look at the consumer and what the the market research terms often refer to as a, a customer or a consumer journey. Um, my question to you is, with the speed and the things that are happening across, uh, you know, using technology and beyond, how is the consumer journey different today than it was, you know, maybe you say, you know, even a couple of years ago from your career? You know, it, it's interesting. Um, I'm the type of person who likes to break everything down to the simplest terms. Uh, and, yeah. and, and and kind of understand it from the way it's been. And honestly, while I recognize all the technology and the speed of things, I personally don't think the consumer journey has it's all that different. I mean, it's just that we have visibility to it now. 
Um, yes, sure. You can say we've well, we got we got telephones now. We didn't have that before. Well, we 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 also have all those. Uh, I don't even know what, what were they called. Those booklets that you used to order stuff from for uh, for Sears. You know, oh, yeah. like we just didn't we just didn't have visibility to it, nor because that wasn't considered the main source of income. Um, mm. So when. When companies like Nielsen started tracking, this is way back in like the 30s, when they started tracking the um, uh, TV, TV and radio viewership, eventually they evolved into into uh, POS sales and stuff. That was just because that was the easiest and the easiest form to get the information from on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And then that mm-hmm. became the standard, right? And then as yeah. you evolve, you know, you have Walmart, Walmart retail link coming in and kind of disrupting that the way things had been. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's another story. But everybody started changing how they look at the information. Then you had the era of, of the retailer and how they show value in analyzing their own information and looking inward. And mm-hmm. um, that's when the loyalty program started being created. So, so what I'm saying is I don't think things have been are drastically different is our understanding is drastically different and now with the ability to capture all this data and information with so much ease and the ability of of looking and analyzing people are starting to make connections that we we honestly couldn't have made before yeah, it's interesting that you talk about you know, that's funny you mentioned that. I mean, you think about it, is that the the consumer journey has not changed. However, we have more information about what that journey looks like, and that's causing us to see things for the first time, or maybe not for the first time, but see things differently than we did. Than, than we did. It sounds like you're talking a little bit like, uh, you know, this is like big data or network. I mean, that sort of connectedness across all these points gives you a different perspective. Uh, when you consider, for example, big data, wh- where does your head naturally take take you? What do you start thinking about as, as a, in terms of a researcher for innovation's sake? Networks. Yeah. So, so when I when I consider, so let's just start with the definition of big data. Big data is just data. It's just a lot of it. Um, the 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 difference is the speed and the sources of information. The the thing that I'm that I'm noticing is that a lot of, you get a lot of information, and but the problem is the information it's not connected, it's not talking to to, to each other. Mm-hmm. So uh, they come they come in different forms. So the connections cannot be easily made. Now this is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. This is what I was saying before. The connection is there. We not we just haven't gotten to the point that we can make all these connections in a. At, 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 the, at the speed at which information is being collected. Wow. Um, so, so that's so, okay. So now, now, now I'm going to move back to my my topic of uh, networks. The thing where I think networks is the key to a lot of things is because once you start understanding that things don't happen in a vacuum and they don't happen overnight, actually, success takes a long time. By the time yeah. people figure out, like, let's say the gen pop figures out, oh, look at this, and things start taking off, uh, i.e. sales, um, mm-hmm. actually, 
you know, that particular behavior has been around for quite a while. So talking about computers, for example, computers, and I don't really know the exact date, but we have computers, what, way back in the 60s, 70s, whatever it was? Right. So, um, but only now do are we starting to realize the value of them. So... So it's it's not the the tools are there in in very early forms, but they it, they take a while for people to start recognizing what they can do with them. And you know, it's, it's funny. That, it's, I want to everything. Yeah, I want to ask you this. Uh, it's when we talk about the data, and I like your definition. It's just data, but it's a lot of it. I mean, that's. And I think to your point about making things simpler, that's simpler Um, as it relates to the network itself. And what I think I hear you saying is, is, look, the data has been there. The data is, you know, if we could really go back to the earliest, you know, onset of this and watch it build in critical mass, we could translate what it means. But we didn't know. It sounds like we didn't know what we were looking at or we didn't know what to look for. Somebody like you who's helping companies translate that new journey by diving through this data, how do you define or explain the network to peers, colleagues, you know, others? You know, it's interesting because even the definition of networks has changed. So most people think of networks like Let's take LinkedIn, right? It's like, oh, yeah, it's the people I know. It's actually not the people you know. It's about the quality. So, so the strength of your network has to do with how many strong connections you have with people, not how many people you are connected to. So how often you talk to them, uh, how often they talk to you, and also if you think about two to three levels out, is who they know and, mm-hmm. and how strong their connections are. Because if I have a strong message or whatever it is, brand or whatever that I want to promote through a network, you know what? I'm just one and I can send it to the hundred people that I know, but if they don't really care about it, nothing's going to happen. But if out of those hundred, I have 20 or 30 that are really strong, they can they can push it out to, to their network and then 20 or 30 of their strong people will push it out to that network and so on and so forth. So it has to do with the strength of the network. So, um, so the idea of how things happen is the strength of the network and also understanding who within your network actually serves as a hub. So a hub can be, can be viewed as a person that kind of connects people from multiple areas. So they have the ability to broadcast your message a lot wider than just the people that you know. Yeah. Or the it's interesting that you know. To, right. It's interesting. This, when you start talking about this network, the thing that, that dawns on me or makes me think about this is you've got to assign weight to that network. I mean, in those nodes. And I'm just going to back up and go, you know, finding out, to your point, use the translation from LinkedIn, who is the influencer in your group of people that can spread that message out even further. Uh, But if we looked at, like, consumer behavior, if we just said, hey, this is, let's just talk about, you know, uh, an easy consumer behavior that we talk about all the time is trust, right? When it comes to your relationship with a brand, trust is the most integral element that we need to focus in on and then every other node that comes off of trust is a connector that can help us you know d- to describe the behavior 
do you have to, when you're looking at this data, when you're interpreting these things, really take that consumer uh, sentiment in, in, in hand and go, no, this is the node that has the most value. Pay special attention to that. And, and let me see Let me see if I understand, if I understand the question. If, I, if, I, if I'm not answering correctly, just feel free to tell me. Um, yeah. But the way, the way I see things is trust. Let, let's say trust to be the insight, right? Trust is the yeah. one thing that, that you want to get to eventually. But you don't always go directly at it. So the consumer mm-hmm. needs to assign trust to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and and there's also the issue of the problem that what we are getting into, I think, in the, in the research world is we're starting to jump in head first into this digital world without mm-hmm. understanding that, to my earlier point, majority of the behavior right now and the dollars are being captured on the physical world. Mm-hmm. Now, how those two interact with each other it's, is the key to understanding how, how or how successful we can be in the digital world, right? So, okay, to get back to your point. So, gonna, you know what I'm going to do? One second, one second. I'm going to go to break because I don't want to lose this. I'm going to come back and talk about that interplay between the digital world and the physical world. I think this is something that's going to be really uh, valuable for our listeners to dive in with us. Uh, my guest is Ruben Alcarez. Uh, we're enjoying really talking about networks and information and content uh, and how we translate that. When we come back, we're going to dive into this a little bit more. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back after these messages. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Grotto Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O dot Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's b r a d o.net. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Innovation Insiders. I'm speaking with Ruben Alcarez. And when we went to break, uh, we were starting to dive into this interplay in the consumer's world, Ruben, between the digital world and and real life. And, and I cut you off because I knew that this could be a, a very fascinating topic. Um, when you start thinking about how you measure, consider, look at what that world is like, the question that pops up in my mind right off the bat is, how do you measure like what's valuable in those the interplay between those two things when it comes to really considering your consumer? Right. So um, I, I don't know if there is one answer or if there is an answer to that question yet. There are a lot of ways of observing and quantifying clicks, behaviors, and things like that in the real and the digital world and understanding things. But um, I just want to bring up another aspect that we thought as, as we talk about the, the world and what it is. I think a big part of the world, it's still emerging, and it's, which is, has to do with augmented reality and virtual reality in addition to digital and the real world. Mm-hmm. So how all of these things collide, I think there's almost going to be the bubble's going to have to burst at some point. Is there room for everything? Or mm-hmm. is there or is, is there going to be one thing that's going to emerge, you know? Um, so, so for those things, I would, I would take a look at, like, what, what Apple is focusing on, what Walmart is focusing right. on, and what, you know, what all the big established players, the ones that can make a huge difference, yeah. Um, are focusing on. So everything's a closed system nowadays. So measurement is going to get more difficult. Um, understanding is going to be good. It's going to become fragmented. That's interesting. That's interesting. Is it, when you talk about the bubble being burst <laughs> as well, it kind of, uh, and you'll, I think you'll remember this, is remember when there was a fight between uh, Blu-ray and I mean, it was like, D- are we going to go Blu-ray, DVD? HD, is it going to be laser disc? Yeah. yeah. All these I was conversations. At the time, entertainment, yeah. And so that's, to me, are we talking about that same kind of bubble bursting? Is it Apple or Walmart or somebody's going to come out with just the easier or simpler solution and then everybody will jump on and it'll make this thing compound upon itself, go even faster? Is that what, is that what you mean by the bubble bursting? Um, in a way, yeah. Um, I don't think it's life is ever going to go back to being as easy as we're going to have one out of two. Okay. Um, so if you look at if you look at yeah, let's let's say Blu-ray won that battle, HD lost. You know what? Blu-ray is now almost obsolete. Oh yeah. Because you got you can just go and download movies. You got you got the emergence of Netflix. You can watch movies on your phone. So where's Blu-ray now? Yeah, um, that's a that's a, a huge. You, you, by the way, I don't want to lose this because I just want to say something too. Is it speaking of movies? I mean, you're a you're a massive. I know this on your personal life. You're a massive movie buff, and yeah. you've you've actually. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but speaking of Blu-ray versus you know digitize, I mean, I think you, you've digitized quite a few movies, and have actually put my them entire in categories. own collection. I'm I'm on after that. Yes. 
Yeah, you have. So you're collecting. Yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry, I'm not trying to say you're, you're distributing <laughs> you movies. There, yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, the uh, uh, FCC is knocking at your door. You, um, in that process of of doing that and categorizing those things, I got to ask, what's the value to you? Is it maintaining that content? Or is it being able to categorize and put it in order that gives you greater satisfaction? I, I'm just more curious than anything else. I, 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 I think it's none of the above. Um, <laughs> okay. I, okay. I, I did that for because I learned that somebody else was doing that in my family, and I didn't know how they did it. Um. So then I said, well, if they can do it, I can do it. <laughs> So I went, I, I went full steam ahead. I figure out how to do it. I figure out all, all, all the different tricks in and out and blah, 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 right? But ultimately, there was, there were, there was a more uh, tangible, uh, functional uh, uh, driver, which was the understanding that, you know, when you look at your collection, if you grew up in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, you probably have like three or four versions of the same CD, let's say, or the same movie, and right. some of them you didn't even know you had. Um, right. So then I looked at my kids, and I said, you know what, I don't want them to go through what I went through, which is throwing money away on stuff that they already have. Mm. Um, so I go back to, to the, the, you know, the, the aha that Disney had a long time ago was the idea of the vault, Locking mm-hmm. things up and not opening it until the next generation. So then you got then you got more business out of the same old thing. Um, so you said it's an like, economic. It was an economic driver, but you said something that I've got to. I got to come back to, and I got it. And you said you were you were curious. Somebody in your family did this, and then you wanted to figure out how to do it. How important is it? And I consider you an innovator. How important is it as an innovator to tap into, pursue, or nudge along that curiosity? It, it's that's a that's one of the driving forces. You know, I was watching um, I was watching a documentary uh, last night, um, and it was they used the phrase um, weaponizing your curiosity. Oh, and it stuck with me because I was like, well, that's exactly what happens to me every day. Mm. You know, I come across something. Curiosity for curiosity's sake, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, everything. You know, I, I I believe there are two or three people within within myself in a way that they're saying is like there's you know I get paid to do stuff. You know, that's kind of how my world functions, and I have to deliver on that. But there is another part of me that's almost like a little kid that always wants to get out there and play. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason is that kid decides when he's going to come out. And then it's part of the Ruben that gets paid for stuff is, okay, how do I take all this crazy wild force and turn it into something that I can, I can use on my everyday life, which is what I, what, how my family eats basically. Yeah. Um, and, um, and what I found is kind of having the, those, different ways of looking at the world 
helps me a lot. And uh, since I was a kid now, I'm able to kind of turn it on and off. I mean, the ability to just consume information, read books, read articles, listen to the radio, podcast, everything spurs a new thought. Well, new to me, right? It may not be new to the world, but to me, I'm not. Wow, I never thought about it that way. And those are the moments that I love. Is That's that interesting. Every day I learn something new. It's, I love, by the way, just a couple of great turns of a phrase there but I think to your point when when and I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on this and and now I'll give you credit and uh but but eventually I'll stop giving you credit and that's just because <laughs> <laughs> just if I'm kidding but weaponizing your curiosity to me that is fascinating because a you get to play off your passions which are creative exploration but then when you talk about weaponizing your curiosity that is to once again pull it back to you and what you do for a living is turn it into how can I make this useful and get paid for it and help my company learn and pursue that. Uh, that is, it's, and I, I, I'm going to put words in your mouth, but if you don't have that gift or let me say that drive as a innovator, it sounds like you're missing a huge opportunity, uh, at least yeah. to stay relevant. Well, the way, the way I look at it is just to add another like doom terminology to it is a it's it's a it's not a weapon of mass destruction it's a weapon of mass creation mm. if you you got like anything to an extreme unchecked is a problem right but mm. you 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 gotta have the the what can I do with this you got you gotta have that check right now not everything is gonna be useful and that's okay to me um but a lot of times what I find is something that I found no use for a year ago, all of a sudden today, is useful. Mm. That's a great so, point. That's a, but to you, that's that vault, isn't it? I mean, you digitized that vault, started out of curiosity, and then you can go back to that bank and pull from it in years. That's the same thing you're doing when it comes to your own tools and creative uh, you know, adventure is, hey, you know what? It might not be of benefit tomorrow, but it doesn't mean it won't be sometime in the future. Well, right. It's a little bit, so, of, a little bit of a quilt. Yeah. So to, you to, know, close, to close on that one is, you know, so yeah, I created my whole, my, I digitized my entire, my entire library and all of a sudden it became like, I need more space. I, need, I needed to figure out more space. And then that became a WD drive, another WD drive. And then I said, well, I'm, I'm starting to run out of drive. So that became the cloud. And once, once, once you have the cloud solution, it became, wow, I can hug this up to one of my current um, uh, TV platforms, which is, in this case, is Roku, which said, oh, wow, I can create my own channel? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, so you, you have all, all of these things, and one, one begets the other. It's just that, that, that chain of events, that they're all linked. And it all started with what you mentioned is, yeah, I saw somebody in my family do it. I'm like, how, how the hell can they do it? I could do that. Why yeah. can't I figure this thing out? You know, but I wasn't thinking Malcolm. about what I'm doing today. You no, know, no. today, like today, my, my, my son goes in and pulls up our channel and watches a movie and that's it. that I bought that I bought like 10 years ago. 
That's so great. All right, so I'm going to go to break real quick. One more break here. I've got, uh, when I come back, uh, my favorite segment, Ruben, it's uh, it's the uh, Innovator's Confession. And we've got some questions that, that I want to, I definitely want to get your perspective on. Uh, I, we're talking with Ruben Alcarez. I told him this uh, on our pre-call a couple of days ago that <laughs> this is easily a conversation that could go into two hours. But we've got a limited amount of time. So when are we going to talk about research? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. That, that might be show number two. When we come back, uh, we're going to put Mr. Alcarez through uh, the innovator's confession. Once again, you can reach him on Twitter at RD Alcarez, or you can talk to me at A Ford, uh, or you can email at Andy.Ford at Brado.net. We'll be right back after these messages. The Brado Innovation Labs are a fleet of mobile laboratories equipped with the tools needed to conduct in-depth innovation sessions, including rapid prototyping whenever and wherever you want it to be. Each lab is equipped with 3D printers, laser cutters, modeling software, and prototyping tools. The lab makes it easy to put prototypes into the hands of those who will be charged with the manufacturing, marketing, selling, and ultimately consuming in as little as a single day. Grotto's Innovation Sprint streamlines what typically takes a month or longer into one intense productive week. At Grotto, we take an inside-out approach to innovation that marries your company's inside expertise with consumers' outside insight, all in the same room. Together, this process helps to inform, research, design, and create alignment for your innovations. Our pursuit of intense empathy and innovation manifests itself in many ways, transforming traditional components of research into something much more powerful. For more information, visit brado.net, B-R-A-D-O.net. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Innovation Insiders with Brado Creative Insight with Andy Ford. For more information about Brado, please visit brado.net. Again, that's B-R-A-D-O dot net. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the program. I'm talking with Ruben Alcarez. And uh, Ruben, over the break, I got an email. Uh, people were saying, like, and before we get to the Innovator's Confession, I think this is a valid email to, to ask you is like, – People are just curious, what are you reading? What are you reading? What are you watching? You mentioned watching a documentary last night. If there's one book on, on your bookshelf right now that you would want to pass on, uh, would you have a title for us? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm reading actually three books right now. So I, um, so I listened to a book, on my, an audio book on the way in, and I'm listening to a Carl Sagan book you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna put all this stuff i'll send it to you i'll just put it on on email but it's basically the um the development of of intelligence then i'm also reading a book that's called uh the end of average which is extremely fascinating and i just finished the book um by by walter isaacson on uh leonardo da vinci 
Oh my God, this is great. It, 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 maybe I'll post that, post one of those on Twitter and we'll we'll push it out there too. But I think email and I can email this, I can email that response to that person. So thank you for that. Um, so the first question on our innovators confession is surprise me. Tell me about the innovation that might just catch all of us off guard in the next five years. So I, I, I would tell you, my, I think the innovation that's coming is it has to do with society. I think we're going to see, and, and under that, there's a lot of different things. So I think we're going to see a different way of voting. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a different way of, of defining gender. We've already seen different ways of how parenthood is defined. So demographics, really, I, this is what it all comes down to. And then um, the idea of city-states. Um, so did you know, like, the budget of New York is actually larger than most countries in Africa? No. And most countries in the U.S., actually, and most cities in the U.S. So the idea of going back to, like, the way things used to be, it was all about Athens, it was all about Sparta, it was a, they're the same country, but literally it was about the cities. We may go back yeah. to that, the way we've seen politics, I think. Um, and again, I think the definition of what, what's a citizen in the U.S. That's great. That is huge. I, I think that's a fascinating process uh, uh, to get into. Uh, but I want to get a few more. I want to say, what are the top three words to describe an innovative individual, in your opinion? Um, short definitions. Can I, can I cheat and give you those? Please. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number one is never answer the question the way they asked it. Um, it's <laughs> curious. It's being, 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 I think it's being curious for curiosity's sake. Um, mm-hmm. Being multidisciplined, uh, looking at things from multiple angles, not just one. And and also, this this is bad, but don't be motivated by money. Like I, most of the stuff that I've ever started, I didn't do it because of money. You did it for that curiosity. You did it for the passion. Yeah. Just, That's just interesting. to prove to myself that I could do it. That's, that's, if you could pick one person to be named the master of innovation, and this could be anybody, and we may know them, we may not know them, who would it be? Uh, so I, I can give you one. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few. Again. Okay. So, the, because I, I, I think people are innovative for different reasons. You know, I, I was thinking, and I think in, to a previous conversation, Da Vinci's an easy one. I think everybody would agree with that. Um, I think Nikola Tesla is also a huge innovator. I mean, he, he created a lot of not just ACDC, but internet and, and there's tons of stuff behind, behind him. People should read up on him. And uh, also Benjamin Franklin. That's interesting. Those three individuals, I mean, had such an impact. When I think about Benjamin Franklin and your previous conversation about the innovation that might catch us all off guard, and you said society, of those three, Benjamin Franklin had maybe the largest impact on our society and culture. And and, and I know that because you and I have had a little, we've had a brief conversation about him, right? Right. You, you know what's funny, but today the... And, and, and again, I got this from, I read another of Walter Isaacson's uh, books on Franklin, but the, the imagery of who you would consider an American today, it actually, it's almost 90, 95% to what the way um, Franklin used to be. 
So think about how really? out of place he was during his days. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. when he so ahead of his America, time, right? he used to dress up and like a cowboy, and that's the way people view us today. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you know, hundreds of years ago, we could have taken, you know, this individual's life and projected it ahead to today. That's that's innovative. Uh, all right. Now, if you, other than that, your company, uh, what company do you think is the most innovative in the world today? I, again, I don't think it's a company. Um, what I would okay. tell you is the best innovator ever is nature. Mm. Nature changes, adapts, does not, and, and, and I know it's probably one of the questions that you have, but nature doesn't ask for permission whether it can do something or not. It just does. It keeps testing, keeps evolving. Um, this is why we, we, we go back to one of your earlier questions. That's if, if it's happening in nature, what makes us think that it's not going to happen in man-made structures or man-made ways of doing things? That's great. That's great. That, never gotten that answer. And I, I absolutely understand what you mean. Nature doesn't give a damn. It's going to do it anyway. It's going to do it. Right? Because now, and, and we may not like it, but it's yeah, going to happen. That's going to happen, right? So that leads me to my final question for you is, innovators are shit disturbers, right? To your point, they don't care. They just, they have to do it for whatever's sake. Looking back over your career, and this could be something you witnessed, something you were a part of. Do you have one of those sort of favorite shit disturbing moments that introduced something in a brand new way or brought an innovation to light? Um, I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I, 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 I'm sure I do, but yeah. I don't know if I can put my finger on one thing. Um, but again, just to go back to, sorry, I hate to do this, but I keep going back to books, right? The, yeah. I've, I've read one book. Um, actually, a series of books, the original Brian Herbert Dune series, and mm. it made me look at human potential in a very different way mm. um, of what you can do using technology, the idea of extending life, the idea of, uh, of basically where we can take things. Um, mm. And yes, I understand it was all science fiction. However, um, I think it planted the idea that things could go a lot farther than what you see today. That's interesting. <clears throat> That's interesting. I, uh, I want to thank my special guest, uh, Ruben Alcarez. Uh, once again, uh, could have had a conversation that lasted another hour and actually dived into some of the more interesting innovation techniques and technologies that you're using <laughs> to bring market research into not just this decade, but, I mean, a, a future tense that, that prescribes information. Um, you can follow him on uh, Twitter at R.D. Alcarez. Tons of content comes from him that's not just, I promise you, if, if you follow Ruben on Twitter, you won't just see pictures of, you know, his food. He's going to give content and articles and things that continue to make your brain sprint. Um, Ruben, I want to thank you very much for joining us on Innovation in insiders uh, in our estimation that's very much what you are i hope you enjoyed being a part of the program no it was great thanks for having me man that's great thank you now join us next week uh, on innovation insiders with brado creative insight Uh, we'll have another special guest and we'll look forward to taking your emails uh, and your questions Uh, feel free to send those in the meantime and until we talk again have a great day
Thank you for listening this week to Innovation Insiders with Grotto Creative Insight. Please join host Andy Ford again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, innovate.